ESPN Radio. Mama, we made it! <laughs> the end of the week. It is Friday on ESPN Radio. You're rocking with Chris Canny alongside my main man, the big fella, Chris Carlin. We're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and E+. As always, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tap in on the Candy call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And, big fella, we got a hell of a show to get into today. I I cannot get enough of this because, I tell you, watching some of the NBA last night, a lot of my fears were very much, very much confirmed. Well, I will tell you this. The game that I was locked in on was the Celtics versus the Grizzlies, and John Morant and Jason Tatum did not disappoint, although the outcome might surprise some folks based on how the Grizz was playing. But that's not where we're going to start today's show. We have to start today's show with what happened in Barclays last night because Kevin Durant did not disappoint in coming back after his 21-game absence, dropped 31, and you saw he got out to a hot start in that first quarter, nine points, and the Brooklyn Nets built a solid lead, which, of course, the Miami Heat continued to walk down. And might I mention a Miami Heat team that didn't have Kyle Lowry, they didn't have Jimmy Butler, they didn't have some of the guys that you would think, P.J. Tucker, the guy that we thought we would see on Kevin Durant, he wasn't out there. He was in street clothes. Might I add, he had a pretty pretty nice chain. His, he was real icy. Oh, yeah. He was real icy on the sidelines, yes. by the way. But, but none of those guys were in the game. And the Brooklyn Nets still lost. I'm struggling to understand how that happened, although you did have four players for the Miami Heat drop 20-plus points. But when Kevin Durant goes out there and has that kind of performance, how did the Brooklyn Nets lose? Well, because they're not a very good team, and they're not making the playoffs, and they're a play-in team at best. And when you don't have guys whose first priority is basketball, it's going to be a problem no matter how talented they are. Look, I've said it before. You want to stand up for what you believe in? God bless you. That's great. The problem, though, for your teammates is that the consequences come out on them. They don't come out on you necessarily. You really just have to figure out how you're going to handle yourself the rest of this way if this doesn't happen, and and if the mandate in New York City doesn't get lifted. Think about this for a second. Hmm. I don't think we've considered this enough. What does this look like if the Nets don't make the playoffs and Kyrie did this, and and it never got lifted all year long. What does Kevin Durant think at that point? What's going through his mind? For me, what would be going through my mind is, how did I tie myself to this guy? What did I do, and how do I get out of it? Because you cannot have somebody, and I'm not saying this is going to be an issue next year, mm-hmm. but there's going to be something next year, because there's always something yes. for Kyrie Irving, as you were talking about yesterday. This last night is just emblematic of the net problems overall. You have a, a guy in Ben Simmons who clearly is not playing next Thursday now in Philadelphia, and we don't know when he's playing. No matter whether it's the back or whatever, it's a nice little excuse if it isn't the back. I think it's the motivator cuff, yeah, by the way. it might be. <laughs> it might be. And then you have a, a guy that wants to be a social warrior, Great. That's awesome. You know, Muhammad Ali did his thing, stepped away from boxing for a few years. It was important. That's that's good. But if I'm trying to win a championship, 
I have to find myself aligned with guys who are of a similar mindset, and that's where Kevin Durant is not right now. Well, here's the thing. Last night was the first time the Nets had lost all season while having a 15-point lead at any point during the game, and Kevin Durant, after a 21-game absence, drops 31. Now, I don't understand why Kevin Durant is trying to avoid the label of being the savior, but that's exactly who he has to be in order for this team to compete I'm at a high level. I'm getting sick of it, frankly. I'm well, getting it, sick it, of it, hearing it, about it. How about it, about your all of this is going on, and you're trying to take the pressure off yourself? That's garbage. Okay, well, let's hear from Kevin Durant in his own words about how he felt about his first game back. I feel great. I feel great. I'm only going to get better, more comfortable out there. Um, you know, take more of a load out there too. Uh, pause when I get um, <laughs> when I get you know more games under my belt. So. Um, so solid. I'm glad he's keeping a sense of humor about yeah. all of this, Carlin, because you're talking about a team right now that fell to 32 and 32 and is firmly locked in to that eighth spot in the Eastern Conference standings. And right now, considering that Kyrie Irving is only eligible to play in what seven more games, I think it's he's he's ineligible. Seven. Yeah, seven more games. He's ineligible to play in seven more games that they have left on their schedule. I, I just. And who are they lined up to play in the play-in right now? They're lined up to play the Toronto Raptors. Exactly. And, and so he wouldn't be able to play in that game either. And then, of course, you're talking about the 9 and 10 teams, the Charlotte Hornets, who can be a live dog against anybody. And then, of course, you're talking about the Atlanta Hawks, who just beat the number 2 team in the Eastern Conference in the Chicago Bulls last night, thanks to Trey Young. So all of this is setting up for the distinct possibility that the Brooklyn Nets could be on the outside looking in when we start the playoffs. Now, we're not counting the play-in tournament as the playoffs. That doesn't matter. The NBA does not look at that as the postseason. But when we start the playoffs, when we're talking about seven-game series, there is the possibility that you're talking about the Brooklyn Nets being on the outside looking in. And I don't know how, if you're Kevin Durant, you can't already be thinking about that potential possibility given the set of circumstances that you now have to deal with. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Carlin, Kevin Durant... He's talking about team chemistry, and he had a lot to say on it last night. Let's take a listen. It could take one game. It could take 20 games, you know. It's just a matter of actually just getting out there and, and seeing um, what works for us. But it's not um, it's not like a certain formula or criteria that goes into, like, you know, this how you know when you build chemistry. It's just kind of or- organic thing that happens naturally. Well, how are you going to build chemistry if Kyrie Irving can only play in seven more games and you just got back after a 21-game absence? How can you have the kind of chemistry that it's going to take can't. in order to compete for a championship? Can't do it. You, you can't build chemistry. And if you're trying to build chemistry with James Johnson, you got bigger problems, don't you? I mean, yeah. that, that's not what that's supposed to be about. And we're not holding KD to the same standard that we're holding other players who have constructed these teams. We were talking about this earlier in the week. If you're Kevin Durant and you have chosen Kyrie Irving to be your running mate, and then you're going to bring in James Harden, and then a year later he's asking out, and you can't get Kyrie on the floor, you're the second, really the first, you're the best player in the game. If the if not the second, but you're the best player yeah, in the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We hold the other guy to that same standard. Listen to Park this morning for first take. This is as spot on to me as could be for KD. 
the pressure is all the way on Kevin Durant for the simple fact that, one, he's dealing with Kyrie, mm. and he's staying by Kyrie all the time through everything that he does. Matter of fact, he's standing with Kyrie so much that they lost James Harden because of Kyrie Irving. We have to start keeping the same energy that we do for LeBron James, for Kevin Durant, because mm -hmm. he plays a major role in the pieces that he has around him in Brooklyn or to say so. And I wish Kendrick Perkins handed that soundbite with carry the hell on because he's absolutely right. Yep. We got to reserve that same energy that we have for LeBron James and criticizing him when it comes to roster construction for Kevin Durant. And the thing that I thought about watching the game last night, big fella, is that James Harden absolutely made the right decision by forcing his way out of Brooklyn. Because look at the mess that the Brooklyn Nets are right now and look at where he's at with the Philadelphia 76ers. They're two and a half games back from having the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And I said this when this trade went down between Brooklyn and Philly. I said the bar to clear for James Harden is not winning a championship in Philly. It's not. It's just being better than whatever the Brooklyn Nets are going to be during the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving tenure of Nets basketball. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. No, no, oh, no, no. yeah. That's May all it is. No, no, no. That's all it is. Maybe that's the bar in the head of Kev of uh, Harden. Well, well, no, I say I say that because it... Who, who is that no, the bar to? No, no I, say, no, I say that because it validates James Harden's decision to want to get the hell out of Brooklyn. Knowing that he's dealing with the guy that's unreliable in Kyrie, that you're going to need to compete for a championship. All right, wait, wait, hang on a second. Go ahead. Let's look at James Harden's personal history when it comes to the guys that he couldn't play with. Okay. Couldn't play with Dwight Howard when he was at his peak. Who can play with Dwight Howard? All right, but at who, his peak. Who, who can play with Dwight Howard? Couldn't play with CP3. A answer answer me this. Start with Dwight Howard. Yeah. Who could play with Dwight Howard? Okay, that, I'm just going down okay. the list. Okay. That, that's where we start. Okay. Couldn't play with CP3. Fair. Couldn't play with Russ. They, they came a hamstring away from going to the NBA Finals and beating the Golden State Warriors. Right. Yeah. Couldn't play with Russ in his prime. At the best, at the best that Russ was. That, that, that's not looking as bad as it once did. Yeah, but that's not that Russ is not this Russ, <sighs> and you know that. Okay. Then couldn't play with Durant, and couldn't play with Kyrie. Well, here's so, the thing: I don't know that he couldn't play with Durant. I'm saying he couldn't play with Kyrie. He couldn't deal well, with Well, they're one and the same he here could, with the situation. Well, He's well, getting away from but both that's, of them. But that's a part of the problem. You're, you're depending on this guy to be a part of the big three, and the guy is unreliable. Uh, okay. Whether it's COVID, whether it's going AWOL, this is what Kyrie Irving has shown you, even going back to the two years in Boston. But I'm not justifying what, how, what he did in getting out of Brooklyn simply by just being better than Brooklyn. If you're hardened, at what point do you look at yourself in the mirror and consider yourself... Part of the problem as to why you haven't won a championship. When are we going to point the thumb and not the finger? Because right now, if James Harden doesn't win a championship in Philadelphia, James Harden's career is a failure. Well, now, he'll be a Hall of Famer and all that stuff, but he is nowhere near anybody else uh, on that high, high echelon of players all time. Big no. let me ask you this question. Right now, here today, what's a better basketball situation, Philadelphia or Brooklyn? Oh, Philly. Absolutely. Okay, let me ask you this. Three years ago, what was a better basketball situation, Golden State or Brooklyn? Golden State. Okay, so if we're going to talk about players advocating to put themselves in better basketball situations, like James Harden just did, isn't it fair to criticize Kevin Durant for leaving a better basketball situation for whatever the hell the Brooklyn Nets are going to be? But Kevin Durant, if he had come to Brooklyn, would not be judged as by – 
just being better than where he was. This is a much bigger way to judge. There are there are a lot of people in Philadelphia right now who are not judging him based on the fact that they are just better than the Nets. Maybe it is in James Harden's mind. That's fine. The basketball world is not going to judge him say, you know what? He did the right thing getting out of there, so that's the bar he has to clear. Well, here's the thing. The goal is, to compete. The goal is, the bar to, the goal is to compete for championships, right? Yeah. Okay. Philly is a lot closer to doing that than Brooklyn, no matter what kind of talent they have, what kind of potential Brooklyn has. Can we agree on that? Yes. Okay, so why are we faulting James Harden for forcing his way out well, of fa- a bad situation, a toxic situation at times, to go down and play with the guy that's the front runner for MVP and a coach that's won a championship versus a coach that we don't know whether or not he knows what the hell he's doing? Because James Harden has done it many times before and it hasn't worked into a better situation. In other words, he forced other guys out, which is what he did in Houston. Then he finally forced his own way out, doing it the worst way possible, and then he did it again a year later. So now, my point is, you now have run out of lives here. If you had five lives, you've run out of them. This is it. you got to go win one now. Big fella, I will give a player like that more grace in being aggressive and trying to find the right teammate, the right chemistry in order to build a championship contender over a guy that won multiple championships and multiple final MVPs in one place and left because he wanted to play with Kyrie in Brooklyn. I will give hey. James Harden more credit for trying to find a path to a championship over what the hell Kevin Durant did. Hey, Kevin Durant made a massive mistake. There is no getting around that. But I'm not sitting here telling you that Harden made a mistake to get away from it. Mm-hmm. What I'm telling you is that's not how I'm going to judge him ultimately. Mm-hmm. Just by being better than the bad situation he is in, I'm going to judge him about whether he finally gets it done or not. So I'm not sure how this more from a Brooklyn Nets conversation to a Philadelphia Sixers and James Harden conversation. But we want to hear from you guys on the Candy Call. I call do. In. just we, didn't want to talk about the Lakers. Th- th- that's exactly <laughs> what it was. We want to hear from you guys on the Candy Call in line. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. What's the bar to clear for the Sixers and James Harden in the wake of what's happening with the Brooklyn Nets? We want to hear from you guys. And that was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. We also got to answer the question of whether or not we think we're going to see Ben Simmons this year. Because if we don't see Ben Simmons, do we have to recalibrate our expectations for this Brooklyn Nets team? Well, I think what you need to really consider, if you're Kevin Durant, if you're Sean Marks, if, you, if Steve Nash is part of this discussion, I don't know, of just writing this year off for Simmons. Because if if we're getting to the point now where we're talking about, by the end of next week, continuing to ramp him up. I mean, seriously, what difference is it going to make now? Why wouldn't I just sit there and try to go and and put everything together and make sure I got these three guys on the same page as much as I can? And, and, And again, Kyrie's the wild card, okay? Yep. But if it is all about the, the head of Ben Simmons... Let's take the time and get his head right. Let's not try to force feed this thing and make it a, a situation where he has to go out on the floor before he's ready. I don't care what excuses they're making up. We're talking, we were talking about, is he going to play next week? He has to play next week, all this stuff. And it was shot down so quickly that it was like, he ain't playing next week. He we don't know when. Mm-hmm. But let's just put that in, in the freezer already. To me, like, what's the point? 
I mean, maybe you get a little something out of playing with KD this year to get a feel for him. Yep. But what's what, what Chris? Like, where's the date where you say, you know what, shut it down? Well, here's the thing: you still have an opportunity to be in the playoffs. Right now, you're at the A spot, so you're in the play-in tournament. You wonder if the mandate doesn't get lifted in New York City. You know, Kyrie Irving is not going to be available as a full-time player. Is there more urgency to try to get Ben Simmons ready to go? Now, I get it. Their general manager, Sean Marks, says that there's still no timetable on when Ben Simmons will play. Um, But I think that if you do have a chance to get into the postseason and Ben Simmons clearly would help that cause, then I think it should be a consideration for the organization if his mental health is in a place where he feels confident that he can go out there and you know, be effective as a player. Now, I got to ask you this question because I know you mentioned that you were a bit skeptical of the mental health issues yeah. that Ben Simmons was facing because we hadn't heard fro- about that until he asked or demanded that he was traded from Philadelphia. As more time lapses, do you give more credence to the mental health issues? that Ben Simmons might have been going through in Philadelphia? It depends what we're talking about when we're defining mental health issues. Mm-hmm. You and I grew up in a time, and I'm I'm older than you, but you and I grew up in a time where it was a lot more about tough it out, and especially in your sport. Yeah. Get through it. Tough it out. It's about mental toughness. I have a difficult time based on watching this player for the last five, six years, really trying to figure out, is it mental health? Is it mental illness? Or is it a guy that just doesn't want to deal? You know, a guy that just is going to do whatever he wants to do, and that's it. And I'm going to get my money, and I'm going to... Because I'm just, again... I've dealt with it myself. We're, I'm not going to make any pretenses about it. And I'm in the same is, boat. With, I'm in the same boat with and you. And yeah. I'll be honest. That's what angered me the most about it because I know plenty of people who deal with it daily and have to fight their way through it, have family members, the whole thing. It felt like an excuse at the time, the way it all comes together. And especially because I've watched this guy. I was in Philly when he got there, and I've watched this guy very closely over the last five years. And it it's not about faking, not faking. It has always felt it has always felt to me as if it's about just not wanting to face the challenge. That's what it feels like to me. Like, does he is he going to be mentally ruined by going out there and getting booed by Sixers fans? I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I just think he doesn't want to deal with it. I could be wrong. I'm not going to try to climb in the guy's head. I'm going based off of everything I've seen through the last five years and and knowing what different people deal with every day. Am I being unfair? Possibly. But I I try to at least consider that I would be unfair from a position of knowledge of it. <laughs> than yeah. Anything else rather than just throwing out the hot take. Oh, this guy's just got to, you know, yeah. get his act in order. No, I'm with you. I'm not going to completely dismiss the claims that no, he's dealing with some mental health issues. But what I will it has say, never felt what, right I, what I will say that is suspicious is that when the Philadelphia Sixers offered to help him providing resources and exactly. talking to mental health professionals, he turned it down. I don't know anybody that has seriously dealt with mental health issues that turns down help or that turns down resources from some of the best when we consider what professional sports teams have to offer in that regard. So I'm just going to put that out there. 
We'll leave that out there. But one of the challenges for this Brooklyn Nets team is if it's only Kevin Durant, I don't necessarily see a path for them getting to the playoffs. Now, maybe you guys out there disagree with me. Maybe you agree with me. Either way, we want to hear from you on the candy call in line. Triple H, say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Coming up next, we've put it off as long as we possibly could. <laughs> but, my, but my Lakers are in free fall right now with one of their superstars saying something last night at the podium that didn't seem to help the cause. We'll tell you who that was and why. ESPN Radio. It's Carlin and Candy through the wire on ESPN Radio on a Friday. We're also on E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, yeah, Russell Westbrook has not turned it on. I don't know what the hell Max Kellerman was thinking about saying that it was just going to take time because last night was another disappointing performance from the Lakers overall and from Russ individually. But, Carlin, the thing that I'm probably most disappointed about with Russ is what we saw at the podium after the game. We'll get to that in a second, but first, let's go to the candy calling line and go to Mark in Baltimore. Mark, you're on ESPN Radio. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, Mark. What's up, dude? Hey, real quick. I know you were talking earlier about the James Harden situation. Um, I'll be honest with you. You look at the Matt Stafford situation. When you trade all of those picks, you need to win Right now, if they do not win a title this year, this is a failure. No, I disagree with that. You're not going to get me on this year. You're going to get me on if they don't win a title next year or or next year or with James Harden, it's a massive failure. I'm never going to put the pressure on them to win a championship when they trade for that player midseason. Yeah, but I think the thing that Daryl Morey was considering was Joel Embiid is at the height of his powers. Yeah. And why not, if I'm going to make a run at James Harden this summer, get him for the rest of the regular season and this postseason? We'll see what happens. But then also we've got a year. Then we've got next year and then the year after that. I'm figuring a three-year window with James Harden still in his prime before you start to see some tail off in his production. So it seems like it makes sense to try to take advantage of this situation the one pushback that I will have with Mark is, who the hell cares about those first-round picks if they're going to be at the back end of the first round anyway? Yeah, do, that do doesn't they, matter. Do they really matter? No. The picks don't matter. Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, those were throw-ins. The guy that matters was Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons was a net zero for your team. He did not contribute in any way, shape, or form. And it didn't look like he was on the verge of being able to contribute in the foreseeable future. So... When we start breaking down the entire package, I don't think it was too much to give up for James Harden. No, what you gave up was Seth Curry, and you gave up Andre Drummond to go get James Harden. You have to look at it that way because he wasn't going to play for you again. And the other part is you go and get him. You're right. You go and get him as soon as you can because the biggest thing leading up to this trade, he's 27 years old. You cannot waste Joel Embiid's prime. You cannot do it. And you don't know how long he's going to stay healthy. Exactly. That's the other part of it. So there was some urgency from Daryl Morey, and I don't fault him for making that call. Now, who I do fault is LeBron James. Why is that? For making the call to trade for Russell Westbrook. They gave up KCP. They gave up Kuzma. They gave up some draft compensation to get a guy that has been a net negative for this team. Russell Westbrook hasn't contributed in a meaningful way, in a substantive way, the entire season. And now we're talking about the Lakers firmly being entrenched in the nine spot with the Pelicans of all teams with no Zion Williamson and C.J. McCollum just getting there, just one game behind them in the 10th spot. 
And so, of course, the Lakers got dominated by the Clippers last night, 132 to 111. And it's not like the Clippers had Norm Powell or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard playing. They had Reggie Jackson going off to the tune of 38 points. And there was no answers for him. Reggie Jackson talked about it in the postgame. He said that it came down to not turning the ball over, forcing them into half-court offense to try to get something done against their half-court defense. And we just believe that they weren't able to get buckets that way. And unfortunately, Carlin, that's the sad state of affairs for what the Lakers are on the court. But even worse is the excuses that they make off the court. And, of course, when it comes to excuses, nobody has more than Russell Westbrook in L.A. Take a listen. Everything's the opposite of what you envisioned. Has that been hard for you, especially considering your stature, your credentials, to to absorb? Um, what did I envision? I suppose I would imagine some wins. I mean, you say, based on what I envision, I want to know what you think I envision. I would, but you envisioned coming here and winning a championship, or at least being. Is the season, season over? It, it certainly isn't on. Is the season over? No, sir. Thank you. Yeah. I had no expectations. Uh, the last four years of me, I've been on different teams four times. So, my envision of kind of think everything gonna be peaches and cream. I don't. That's not realistic. That's not life. Now, big fella, I watched this game from start to finish, unfortunately, because I'm a Lakers fan, and I think I might be a masochist as well if I'm going to continue to watch that debacle because at one point they were down by 29 in the third quarter, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I thought Shaquille O'Neal on the postgame show hit it right on the head when talking about Russell Westbrook's postgame comments. Take a listen. I think I see what the problem is. What what is it? Nobody's mad. I'm telling you now, I'm losing to the Clippers. I'm, I'm... Somebody getting beat up that night in the locker room. It's not the problem. No, but I'm just saying they 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 seem to me like I I don't have no expectations and I don't care and they're a better team. I ain't never saying the Clippers a better team. They I'm I, I just saying the, the problem to me is ain't nobody mad. I'd have been, I'd have been pissed if I lost to the well, Clippers. I, I think- Reggie Jackson out there sea walking and dancing with the damn birds. Yeah, it was Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum, and this is the fourth time that the Clippers have beaten the Lakers this season in as many games. So at some point, it has to be a matter of professional pride. It doesn't seem like LeBron James has very much of that, even though he's in contention for a scoring title. It certainly doesn't feel like Russell Westbrook has any of that. And on top of it, he's saying that he didn't have any expectations in coming to L.A. in terms of what they would envision this season looking like. I'm sorry, Carlin. Anybody that signs up to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis Shouldn't you expect to contend at a championship level? Shouldn't that be the baseline? You didn't have any expectations. Why are you even playing a game? Honestly, shut it down. I mean, other than the paycheck, why are you even playing a game? If if you're Russell Westbrook and you fancy yourself this incredible level of player as an all-time great, and you actually utter that sentence, I didn't have any expectations. I've been, oh, look at me. I've been in three different spots, three different. No, 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 no. You're joining who you're joining. You don't, you're going to a storied franchise. And the greatest player of the last 20 years, and probably a top three player of all time, is staking his trust in you. No, no, no expectations. Oh, my God. Get a clue. And the other thing I can't take is on the back end of that. You're trying to tell me about how much perspective you have. Stop with your perspective on life. You know what I'd like to see? 
I'd like to see that you actually care about basketball and you care about the fact that this has been an utterly embarrassing season for an all-time great player, for an all-time great franchise. And you are the biggest reason for that embarrassment. Russell Westbrook, in one week, has told two lies when it comes to professional athletes. Number one, that we don't take it home with us. Carlin, all the losses you take home with you. And if you ask anybody that's done playing the game, they will tell you they remember the losses far more than they remember the wins. Teddy Bruschi got three rings. He talks about the Super Bowls that he lost, especially in 2007 to the Giants. I mean, all me, the Dallas Cowboys, 2007, a 13-3 team, lost to the Giants at home in the divisional round because Jerry Jones wanted to print out the NFC Championship game tickets and put them in our damn locker. All Every athlete takes it home with them, those losses. You feel that. The other thing that he lied about is talking about expectations. Because every athlete starts out the season with the expectation, no matter how far-fetched it might be, that I'm going to try to help my team compete for a championship. Why? Because like Herm Edwards say, you play to win the damn game. We'll have more on that, but we also got to get to the Cowboys and Amari Cooper potentially being on his way out in Dallas. What does that mean for the Cowboys moving forward? We'll tell you. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. But first, we got to let you know that the NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night as the Lakers host the Warriors. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 8 Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. Probably another loss for my Lakers. (laughs) But anyway, this is ESPN Radio. We'll be back after this. ESPN Radio. I guess it's C squared or C C four. How does that work? I'm not a math guy, really. Okay, uh, <laughs> we try to avoid math on this show. Yeah, anyway, God. you know, you know, you're listening to ESPN Radio with Chris Carlin and Chris Canny, also on E Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. As always, tap in on the call in line triple eight say ESPN. That's eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. And Carlin, we got to make a hard left turn and go from the NBA to the NFL. Because we got some news today that might shock a lot of Cowboys fans. Of course, we know this is the time where teams do their housekeeping to try to get under the projected salary cap for the new league year in 2022. That starts on March 16th. And the Dallas Cowboys were one of the teams in the bottom five when it comes to available cap space. Well, seems like they're poised to make a move. And moving on from a guy that they traded a number one pick for, a first-round pick for a few years ago, and that would be wide receiver Amari Cooper. Cooper is due to make $20 million, and of course that becomes fully guaranteed on March 20th, which is the fifth day of the new league year. According to our very own Adam Schefter, if the Cowboys cut Cooper, he would count $6 million against their salary cap, not the $22 million for the team that is projected to be more than $21 million over the cap. A trade with Cooper's contract is, in in one words of a source, not likely. So the Cowboys are going to part ways with Amari Cooper. And to me, this puts a lot more pressure on Dak Prescott in terms of being able to elevate this offense to a championship level. I look at Cooper from this past year, and he's always one of those guys, Chris, to me, that feels like he's he's been in the league forever. He's 27. He's, he's not 33. And this past year... He's out there every last three years. He's stayed pretty healthy. He missed one game this year and 68 catches and under a thousand yards and well under 13 yards a catch. I still feel like he's somebody that can help you 
in a big way. I still feel like he can, he may not be what he was projected to be. He's never put up that 14 or 1500 yard season. But if you're the Cowboys, you cannot afford to pay this guy this money anymore. You just can't do it. And you you brought in C.D. Lamb. Cedric Wilson, I think, is a free agent as well. Yep. I, I would much rather keep at this point those two. I mean, I'm keeping Lamb, uh, obviously, but I, I'd much rather figure out a way to, to keep Wilson. And if I have to draft another receiver, then that's something I would look at because that money is way out of whack right now for Amari Cooper. Yeah, and I think this is a reallocation of resources, right? It's, all right, we're not going to pay Amari Cooper $22 million this year. We'd rather put that money toward Cedric Wilson, who you just mentioned. Also, their tight end, Dalton Schultz, who's a free agent. He might be a guy that you consider re-signing as well. So I understand where you're going with it, and it makes sense if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Who's killing them right now? You really want to know who's killing them on the cap right now? Zeke. Yeah. Zeke is absolutely well, that contract, we, we knew that contract would be an anchor. But the other thing that I will point out to you, Carlin, is that when you traded for Amari Cooper, the reason why you gave up a number one overall a number a first round pick was to figure out whether or not you had a quarterback because you didn't have a number one receiver and you answered that question so you spent the money to get Amari Cooper you spent the draft capital to get him just to figure out whether or not Dak Prescott could be your guy turns out he is your guy you gave him a 40 million dollar a year contract and so now your team can proceed forward knowing that you have stability at the most important position in all of team sports coming up next What the hell is going on with my Lakers right now? We'll ask someone who is embedded with the team. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio.